Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Woo. I'm going to tell you, I'll be honest. Brother Greg asked me a couple of weeks ago to speak, and you know, I am terrified. I'm used to teaching in front of classes, but when you talk about a huge crowd of wonderful people in this community here, it's a whole different ballgame. And now I understand what the ministers go through when they stand here and they look at the congregation and they see all this commotion and are like, okay, <laughs> how do we pull these people together? So I'm going to be honest. I, I've been praying, and I'm shaking so bad. <laughs> Whew! I'm, I'm going to have to walk. I can't stand still. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. It's a great morning in the Lord. Anyway, um, I apologize, Sound Booth. I didn't even get with you all. I was going to ask you to uh, put up for me um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And it's a very simple ver verse. Um, while they're putting it up behind me, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it simply states this. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. There is a time and a purpose under heaven. McCormick Creek Church is in revival. It's been in revival for a while. Many of you know that I just came here this year, or last year rather, in June. I'm learning a lot of things I never knew existed. So, I'm excited, and I want to tell the young people in a world of can'ts, oh yes, you can. In a world of can'ts, oh yes, you can. You can live for Jesus, and today, I'm going to tell you why. This brother here is a witness to God. God can deliver you. God can use you. He can use you in your schools. He can use you on your job. It doesn't matter if you're 60 or if you're 16. I know this is directed to the young people, but for some reason I'm just fired up for this morning. Woo! And we got two other brothers that's going to preach, and they're even better than me, so y'all are in for a treat. Woo! So I'm excited to hear what they got to say. Hallelujah. I got to be first, so I'll be last also. Y'all can sit down if you want, or you can stand, you can worship. Um, to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. King James first in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Let me give you all my testimony. My brother can stand up and tell you about this. I grew up in a family. We went to church. We had our issues. Everybody does. My issue was, is I was very stubborn, and Lord knows my brother will stand up and testify to that. <laughs> and quite often I learned the word what the rebellion was, the hard way. And what I want to talk to the young people here, when I say in a world of can'ts you can, what I want you to do is stop thinking about what you can't do. I'm tired of the school saying you can't pray. The law doesn't say you can't pray. It says that the schools can't tell you to pray. So if you want to pray, you pray. Let God be God and let the world do what they're going to do. But you can do it. I know you can. And if the school says you can't, you tell them, show me where it says in the law I can't. It says you can't tell me to pray, but I have a right and a freedom to worship my God. So you pray in school if you want to pray. You want to see revival? Pray. You want to see miracles? Pray. You want to see healings? Pray.
pray. Prayer is the key to everything in revival. In a world of can't, you most certainly can. Some of y'all are already going to work. I see one sister here, and I apologize, sister. I cannot remember your name, but I see you at McDonald's every day. I gave myself away. I eat at McDonald's. I, I'm guilty of sin. But uh, I see her. She smiles every day. She's got a great smile. You know, you can go in, and you feel good when you leave McDonald's. I'm going to tell you something. You can feel even better when you leave church today because it's better than McDonald's. But whether you're at work, whether you're at school, wherever you may be, you have the freedom of expression, and that expression for the young people should be to live for God with everything you've got. Don't be intimidated by the world. They're not intimidated by us, so let's not be intimidated by them. So in a world of can'ts, yes, you can live holiness. In a world of can'ts, yes, you can pray. In a world of can'ts, oh yes, you can stand up for Jesus. You can be used of God right where you're at at your age, whether you're, what's the youngest age in the youth group? Twelve. And what's the oldest age in the youth group? Twenty-five. I tell you what, I've been in six churches traveling around the United States, and it ranges from 12 to 40, so I can never keep up. I thank God I'm still a youth member. <laughs> Woo! Not for long, though. Not for long. But I'm going to enjoy it while I can. And, uh... Anyway, my personal testimony is this. I grew up in high school. I played football. I did everything my parents asked me not to do. I was a very strong-willed child. Bless the heart. Thank God they knew how to pray. My brother knew how to pray. They had to put up with me being very stubborn, playing sports, doing everything I wanted to do, didn't want nothing to do with church. But something very unique happened on my 18th birthday, the year I was graduating. Most... In fact, I don't think anybody in this church knows outside of my brother that I was deaf for 18 years. On the night of my graduation, brothers, an evangelist, an apostolic evangelist from the Assembly of the Lord Jesus Christ was going through and he was ministering to the young people, trying to encourage them to live for God in a society that they teach sports more important than church. Everything else is more important. This minister came to me. He stopped. He didn't even say, you're going to make a great doctor. He didn't say that. Thank goodness, because I probably wouldn't be a good doctor. <laughs> but uh, I am a good speaker when I try to be. And I, as I told Brother Greg last week, I said, I'm used to doing political rallies. I'm used to standing in front of science classes and teaching science. But I am not used to standing in front of people and trying to encourage them from the Word of God. But I'm excited. And I'll tell you why. You're looking at a witness right here that made up his mind at 18 years old after the man prayed for him. My hearing came back 100%. I live a miracle because an evangelist believed he could in a world that you can't. When that miracle occurred, I was no longer just going to church to be going to church. I made up my mind I was going to live for God. I got renewed in the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old, was baptized when I was eight years old. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to make mistakes, young people. But in a world of can'ts, you certainly can. My personal testimony is simply this. I grew up in a church, but I wasn't in the church. All right? It's plain and simple. My parents raised me the best they could. I give them honor for it. My brother tried to help me. Unfortunately, we're, what, 18 years apart? 
19? 18 years apart. So he's in his own world. I'm the last of the four children. I'm a spoiled brat, I admit it. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> so in a world of can'ts, if, even if you are the youngest member in the family, you certainly can. So anyway, I did some things I wasn't proud of. Been in and out of church. And in 1998, I finally fell on my face. And after some situations I'm not even going to discuss, I began to pray, God, you've got to show me that you're real. I've seen you do things that if I told people today, they wouldn't believe it because I'm going to tell my age. I'm 37 right now. 30 years ago, I saw something that I'm amazed by, and it helped me because it was, a, it was a building block. I saw literally Sister Fern Hodges, I believe. Sister Hodges. Thank goodness for my brother. He's got a memory like a rock. So when I have to look at him, I can look at him and say, hey, brother, <laughs> help me out. Sister Fern Hodges had a cancer that was on the side of her neck. It was so huge that the doctors had only given her six months to live. This was in 1980 or 1981, Bob? 1980. That would be right because I was only eight, about seven. I just turned eight. Anyway, what inspired me to want to live for God, even though I made many mistakes, young people, Sister Fran Hodge just taught the young people with a cancer on her neck. She had six months to live. And one of the things she taught us was, if you'll learn to pray, when the impossible faces you, God makes the possible. And that was the reason I came up with the idea to, as a part of my testimony to say, in a world full of can'ts, you certainly can. Young people in the class began to learn to pray. And my brother was with the youth group. I don't know all the details. I could have him stand and testify, but I'm not going to right now. But they learned to pray. And I watched the young people pray. I tell you what, if y'all start praying and you learn to pray and stop worrying about everybody else, you'll see what you've been looking for in your heart. Everything else will come together. You can do it. Anyway, we begin to pray. And on a Sunday evening... Pastor Michael Williams of the Pentecostal of Apopka was preaching. And all of a sudden, he stopped. Sister Fran Hodges came down our way, similar to this, came to the front. She needed prayer. She was desperate. She had been told that Friday, you got six months, you're going to die. There's nothing we can do for you. That Sunday night, she came up to the altar. And I remember as a seven-year-old boy, because I was standing next to my brother, up front because I had been bad Sunday morning. My dad said, you're going to sit with your brother and you're going to behave. So I remember because I done got whipped. I was sitting in there right next to my brother. Just a friend of came up. She get prayed for. Huge lump. Impossible. Couldn't move it because it would paralyze her. She, no sooner, by her faith and prayer, and she'd been praying for months, she came there and she said she didn't know why, but this was in a desperation. She called out to God. I remember Pastor Michael Williams coming over here. He no sooner put his hand on, on her, and the cancer fell off just like that. I'm talking about literally fell off. Big cancer fell off. She went to the doctor Monday morning. They did x-rays after x-rays after x-rays. And when Brother Rob testified, I've seen that personally with a lady with cancer. Completely gone. No cancer in the body. No cancer in the body. 
God still can in a world full of cans. He still can do miracles. So if you've got a disease in your body, I believe God can, and He will, if you'll let Him heal you of that disease. <clears throat> if you've got a problem psychologically, emotionally, whatever, it doesn't matter with God. God has no respect to a person. You pray, He'll do it. Now, if you do it with a grudging heart, I promise you, He won't. But if you do it with an open heart and a humble spirit, He will. So in closing, I'm going to get off here because I'm running out of words. Whew, I'm running out of words. It's dangerous. So, praise God. Young people, just remember from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1. And you don't have to put it back up there if you don't want to. I'm just simply going to restate it and close with this. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Young people in a world full of can'ts, you most certainly can. And I want y'all to know I'm very proud of y'all. Y'all are an astounding youth group. You have a wonderful youth minister, youth pastor. And uh, I'm going to just miss my statements on that and give to the next brother to come up and testify and say something wonderful for the Lord. Brother John. I'm going to be preaching for a little bit of time. Um, my scripture that I'm going to start out in is in John 10:22 through 30. God is good, isn't he? And it was in, at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round him and said to him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand, my fa out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And then, later on in the Bible, it, I'm going to go to John 12, 44 through 45. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Church, today I'm going to preach a little bit about there is room for only one shepherd. Now in the world, there are religions that have multiple gods. The Baptist churches believe in three gods, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But then there are religions like ours that believe in our one God. Jesus was threatened by the Jews to be stoned because 
he said that he and his father were one. They took up stones because they thought he was blaspheming. The Jews did not realize that Jesus was God in the flesh. They thought he was just another man making himself God when he really was God. The Jews tried to stone him, but he escaped. Later on, it talks about in the Bible about how Jesus changed the mind of some of the Jews. But then there were still those that believed in one God or believed that he was blaspheming. Jesus knew what was going to happen. God knew that the only way to save the world from the sin was to make himself flesh and then die for the people's sins. God manifested himself into the flesh so that he could die for our sins on that cross. To prove that Jesus really was God in the flesh, he defeated death, hell, and the grave and arose three days later. Now, in the time of the, before the crucifixion, there was the Passover. The people needed a perfect lamb for the Passover. They did not know that the perfect lamb was Jesus. Jesus would have been, Jesus was the perfect, spotless, wonderful lamb for the Passover. He was the only, the, the perfect one. None other would do. He knew that the only way to pay for our sins was to die on that cross. Jesus died for our sins that day. But also, he proved to us that there was only one God. It's the same way for the shepherd and his sheep. He's going to love those sheep, and he's going to die for those sheep no matter what happens. If it's just one, he's going to die for them. He's going to protect them and keep them safe. Just like Jesus did. He died for us. He died for our sins. He is our master and we are his people. There is only one of him, and no matter what this world says, there's always going to be one of him. The Bible gives us multiple, there is proof multiple times in the Bible about there being one God. You don't believe it. Read, read the very first verse of this Bible, Genesis one one. God created the heaven and earth. It didn't say three gods created the heaven and the earth. It said one God created the heaven and the earth. Also, later on in the Bible, it talks about Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. If you don't believe me, there are other multiple scriptures in this Bible. This Bible. That it says that God is one Lord. There is only one. Three gods didn't die on the day of the crucifixion. One God did. God died for us, for our sins, so we can in turn worship Him that one day that we live. As I'm closing, um, God gave us lots of proof in this Bible about there being one God. So when our friends ask us about one God, give them proof. Give them proof, because they're not going to believe it if they don't see it. As the time is nearing for the rapture, it is more important to show the people of this world that there is only one God. There's one God, and His name is Jesus. He loves us so much, and he died for us.
And He's always there for us no matter what. Thank you. I have been working quite a bit, so if you don't mind, let me pray for just a second. God, I ask you, Lord, to open up on my mind. Lord, I ask you right now to let your anointing touch my body, O oh God. Speak your word to your people, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask you. God, I ask you to move, O oh God, in Jesus' name. I feel adequate to say that this is not man that comes up here and preaches, but it is God. Man puts in the work, and God does everything else. And it is truly, I, I can sum up their, they did a great job. I can sum up their words in a world of can'ts. He can, and certainly in heaven there is no more room for anybody else but one Savior. Speaking of work, I do a lot of experience. I have a lot of experience in management. I've taken over two or three different businesses and turned them around. I've had a lot of success. In fact, my boss talks to me all the time about becoming a district manager, which is something, if you know me, I fight really hard with because my time and my energy, I want to wrap up into what God wants me to do, not what man wants me to do. I have been very goal-oriented. I've had a lot of expectations on my life as far as work goes. Um, with that, I'm a very objective-oriented man. I write an objective and I obtain it no matter what. But I am sad to say, as I stand here today, all my objectives have been for the world and I haven't had very many objectives. Well, that's a big difference, isn't it? I had very many objections when it comes to God, and um, I've had never, I've never put together one goal for my walk with God, except for one, and that goal was with my wife. I prayed for a wife. I prayed everything for my wife, and God answered that prayer, and everything that she is. Um, I've watched her grow. It's been an amazing, amazing experience, because I was backslidden when I met her. And God was still with me. And I remember the day we was actually at Sister Sherry's um, praying. And she brought this up, which was kind of weird because I hadn't told her anything about what I was going to say. And she told me the day that she was going to start wearing skirts. And she looked at me and she just said, Mike, I think it's time. I think it's time that I start wearing skirts. And I said, well, you know, um, to be honest with you, Jen, I knew that. <laughs> um, but she has been amazing. She has started witnessing, and she is a witness to her whole entire work. Um, <laughs> I'm proud of her, to be Sam. I'm honored to be her husband. She puts up with a lot more from me than I do from her. <laughs> <laughs> she's um, started witnessing to a friend of hers. And this lady has um, jumped on board. In fact, she actually uh, started talking about Rob's experience, if you could say that, to this lady. And um, please, I'm burning up. And the lady actually seen something about apostolic faith on the TV. 
Now, this is amazing to me because if you start witnessing to anybody, especially you young people, they have no idea what apostolic even means. I mean, th- they, they will understand Pentecost, and trust me, when you say that, they're probably like, oh, okay, so you're just trying to overshoot heaven. You're not trying to just make it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I tell you, I, I will tell you the truth. We're just trying to make it. If we make it, we're going to barely make it. So this lady sees on the TV, she sees um, this apostolic healer, okay? It's this new religion that all of a sudden popped out of nowhere. And everybody's getting on board, and it's one of the fastest growing religions. I'm not sure if it's Pentecost or if I'm not sure if it's apostolic, she didn't say. But I'm here to tell you today that what she saw was an apostolic man preaching the truth because this is not just another religion. This is this, is that. Everything that was talked about in the past, this is that. You young people, you've inherited something great, especially if you've grown up in the church. This is that. You're looking for the the meaning of life? Guess what? You found it. It landed in your lap, and you're blessed to even be here. Nope, nobody got on the Internet and looked up a... uh, new religion and found, oh, hey, mutilating squirrels. I'll get behind that. This is not that. This is, a re- this is not even a religion. This is everything. Everything that God has for you is in this building. I'm outside of my notes, but that's okay. You cannot label this a religion. It has roots that goes back to, to Jesus. Even so, you can go back even further. It's founded on principles and roots that we don't understand, especially if you're not in the Word. And that's what I mean by that statement. If you're not reading your Word, and I can sum up what these men have said, if you're not in your Bible, then how do you know? When you start witnessing to people, Nathaniel, if if your nose isn't in the Bible, what are you going to tell them? What are you going to say? Are you going to say, well, hmm, it feels good when I go to church. I feel God. And that's good things. You can't say that. But I'm here to tell you this. You all have an anointing on your lives. God has brought you here for a reason. And the sooner you look at your parents and you say this, I see what my parents are doing. Yes, they're doing a great job. They're living for God. And I've seen your dad grab you and run with you. That's awesome. I can't. I, I love that. If I had a son, that's what I want to do. I want to grab him and run around this church and anoint him. And I want to teach him everything I know and pour my heart and my soul into that boy. And I see your dad doing that every week. You are blessed to be in this church. You don't know how much God has given you, how much he's kept you from. Because let me tell you what's out there. The other side of this fence, the other side that you're looking at, this This world, everything that it is, this sin, it looks great because you don't know it because you've raised in this. But let me tell you something. It was just like the Israelites in Judges, and I'm going somewhere with this. In Judges, the Israelites, the next generation, was raised up under this generation. And here's here's the kicker. They did not know 
their God is what the Scripture says. Now, how did they not know their God? Did they not see? Did their parents not teach them? I, it's hard to say. The Bible is not clear to that. But it does say one thing. They followed Baal. Now, what is Baal? I can sum it up in, in a very easy word. It's entertainment. It's everything you don't have right now. Is this not youth revival? Because right now I'm preaching to the youth. Youth revival doesn't start with a bunch of new people in the church. It starts with your heart. It starts with everything that's in here. It starts with your love for God and what you're going to do right now. Now, I talked about your inheritance. I talked about what the children of Israel did. And I don't know how much time I have, but that's okay. He told me I had longer. He told me I was preaching, ugh, preaching for 10 minutes. Now I think I have 30. <laughs> and I didn't even know I was the closer either. That was different. <laughs> but surprise. You have a wonderful youth pastor and a wonderful youth pastor's wife, Heather. They have done a great job. I look at what these two have done with this youth group and how much they've put on their shoulders. I'll tell you what, you're, you're, you're blessed. You're blessed and you will ever know. Give them back to the children of Israel. They were raised in an area. They had Baal and they fell. And they fell because they didn't love God. They, they never got a hold of the basic principles of what this is. And this is what I know Greg is crying out to God just about every night for you guys to get. And that's that, look at what you have. Look at your inheritance. You look at what your parents have done. And, and I'm, I'm preaching to all of you right now. Look at what your parents have done. Even if you weren't raised in this, look at what your parents have done and said, no, I'm going to get more. I want more. I want a double portion because guess what? Never in our time of history have we ever been so close to the end. And if you're going to get more, Grab it now because I guarantee you God won't give you a double. He'll give you a triple portion of everything they had because he's getting ready to pour out. If, if, the, if the world is starting to realize what apostolic is, if it's starting to get a hint of what it is, then guess what? That time is reaching closer and closer to the end. Because five years ago, if you said it, the word apostolic, people would look at you and say, what? What is that? But now, they don't even know what the word Christian means. In fact, I, I looked up the word Christian, and of course, I wasn't surprised by the definition. It's, it's to be Christ-like. But here's another word. It's a little prefix of a word, and it was called the Christian name. And I was amazed at what the Christian name was. It's the name taken on at baptism. And I thought, hmm... The name taken on at baptism. Now, if I'm baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, what did I get? I got three titles. Great. What am I going to do with these three titles? I'm not going to do anything. But when you take on the name of Jesus, let me tell you something. You've got something there. You're going to have something for the rest of your life. You're going to have an anointing on your life. And you're going to be blessed. And you're going to do more than your parents ever thought to do. Because you have an anointing. You've inherited something. It's something that's going to grow. Let it grow. Forget the world. Forget entertainment. Forget what, oh, what's going on in American Idol. Who cares?
Well, guess what? My notes have ran out. Because <laughs> I think that was about ten minutes. But I'm actually going somewhere else. You've inherited something from your parents. Your parents have fought to keep you here. They fought to keep you to teach you the standards. Some of you have slipped away from those standards a little bit, and you've let movies come in. Let's say Twilight, whatever that is. I don't care. Because you know what? Me and my wife made a decision when we got married that we're not going to have TV. It kind of worked out that way because at that time, Crystal was living with us, and we had three kids in the house, and the kids would just watch TV. So I decided, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to teach them values. We're going to let them see what it was about. Now, I've made mistakes, but those values, hopefully, will stay with them forever. And that's what your parents are investing in you. But guess what? I don't know if you've noticed, but this generation that's above us is getting ready to move on. In fact, I've had three ministers tell me their ministry has changed. And I look around this church, and guess what? There's new ministers. There's new people coming on board. So what's that mean for the young people? This veil that your parents have protected you from is getting ready to be lifted. Now, I'm, I'm not preaching out of the book because the same thing happened to the Israelites. That generation moved on, and they were stuck with decisions they were going to have to make. What are you going to do when someone comes up to you and says, Hey, you want some cigarettes? Sounds stupid, doesn't it? But guess what? It's going to happen. You're going to have that temptation. As soon as you get outside of your parents' four walls, temptation's going to hit you like a book. And it's going to stick. And guess what? If you're not ready, what do you think's going to happen to your life, to your walk with God? If you're not in that book, if you're not listening to your parents, or your youth pastor, or your pastor... I'll tell you what, we've been at this church for three years. And I can relate to what you're saying. Because there's things I've learned and I've seen in this church that I wish all churches had. This church will be a lighthouse. It will be a great church. But that greatness isn't because of one man. It's because of our God, and it's because of our willingness to serve that God. That's in truth, not in, oh, it doesn't matter what you do today. No, it does matter, because this is a choice every morning when you wake up. And it's harder when you get older, because you start working And let me tell you what happens when you start working. Sometimes you never get off work. (sighs) So I'm going to say this in closing, young people. If God was standing right here, right in front of you today, and he asked you this question, what do I have to do to make you want to serve me? I have died on the cross. I have given you my word. Everything. I'm going to quote Brother Fox. Basic information before leaving earth. It's really good. It's Brother Fox, not me. What else does he have to do? 
You've had parents that have raised you in truth. They're not perfect. But guess what? Those imperfections, you can look at and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do everything my parents do, and I'm going to do it better. So I'm asking you young people, do you want revival in your youth group? Yes. Guess what? It starts with you coming down to this altar and you praying like you've never prayed before and you ask God to change this. Because this whole thing, the sum of this book is summed up with, let's say, three commandments. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Number two, love your neighbor. Number three, God so loved the world that he gave. It's love. The secret of all this, you want to go higher in God? Love. Love yourself. Love your parents. Love your neighbor. But most of all, most importantly, love your God. How do you start by loving your God? Come down here. All, all of you that are right there, please come right here. I just want you to line up right here, and I want your youth pastor behind me. Please, Brother Sebastian. Actually, Heather, will you come here too? This is what I want. I want you to make the decision today. Make the decision today. God is either going to have his way in your life, in your heart, or he's not. But that choice is right here in your heart. So you make that decision. You make that decision right now, and I hope I'm not out of the book, brother. You have to make that decision. Is this youth revival? If it's youth revival, then it all starts in your heart. So make the choice. But right now, I pray. I'm going to pray for each and every one of you. I pray that God changes your heart. And I pray that you pray this prayer every day. God, help me love the truth. Help me love oneness. Help me love the fact that you have done so much in my life. Help me to want that. I see you, brother. You want it, don't you? You want the change in your life. Come here, right here. God, I ask you right now, Lord, to anoint his life. God, I ask you right now, Lord, to anoint him, O God, and move on him, O God. Use him, O Jesus. God, I ask you, Lord, to anoint his ministry, O God, and start his ministry right here today, Lord. I ask you to bless him in Jesus' name, Lord. Jesus, let him be humble, Lord. Can Can I ask you one thing? Can the parents, can you folks come up here and pray with your your child, please? Come up here and pray.